Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Good afternoon, good evening, and no matter where you are in the world, and uh, welcome again. Um, so what are, we, what are we talking about today, Ryan? Today's topic is mental accounting. And uh, to start off, we need to we need to be sure that we can define this three dollar economics word um, called fungibility. So uh, fungibility is this idea that money is money is money. So two dollars is the same as two dollars anywhere else, uh, and so that we can um, use this money in any way that we ch- we choose to. It's a really basic concept. If, if money is not fungible, then a lot of basic economic theory kind of breaks down. So um, we've got this idea that uh, $20 is the same as $20. So let me give you this thought experiment. Um, this was actually designed by Kahneman and Tversky, uh, two names that have come up before and will again. So here's the situation. Imagine you've decided to see a play where the admission is $20 per ticket. As you enter the theater, you discover that you have lost the ticket. The seat was not marked and the ticket cannot be recovered. Would you pay $20 for another ticket? So, I was probably um, spending all time trying to look for the ticket that I lost. Yeah, but it's gone. Can't find it, right? So you paid $20 for this ticket and the ticket is gone. Would you pay another $20 uh, to buy another ticket to see that play? When they asked a group of people, fewer than half said they would be willing to pay a second price, ticket price to go and see the play. They said, all right, you know, it's too bad that I've lost the ticket. I'll go find something else to do. Second, similar situation, different group of people. Imagine you've decided to go see a play where the admission is $20 per ticket. As you enter the theater, you discover that you've lost a $20 bill. Would you still pay $20 for the ticket? When they mm-hmm. asked a different group of people, more than 90% said yes. Yes, I would definitely still buy the ticket. Right? Right. Now, a lot of us have this reaction. When I read the situations the first time, I was like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I, I wouldn't want to buy another ticket for the same play. That's just wasteful. Um, but this violates this rule of fungibility, right? In both settings, we're at $20. It doesn't matter that, you know, $20 is in cash or $20 is in that ticket. In both cases, we're going to have to spend more than we thought we were going to this evening in order to see the play. But in one case, we do, and in one case, we don't. This is the fundamental idea behind mental accounting, that this rule of fungibility, which makes so much sense um, to economists and makes so much sense to us and usually works, doesn't always work. The idea is that we compartmentalize. We group money and, and other resources, including time and experience, into these categories, and we treat them differently. So if you've set aside $20 as entertainment dollars, and then yeah. you've spent that, well, now you're out of entertainment dollars. You would have to transfer money over from another mental account in order to make that work. Whereas if you lose $20 in cash, that was unallocated. And so you're, you've still got the $20 that you've mentally set aside to pay for that ticket still right. in there. Right. Makes sense? So, yes, it does. So does it, does it also look at how, uh, because I would have thought that also that, you know, people value things. So even saying $20 is the same as $20 is, so $20 for a chewing gum is probably not, Mind you, I'm now talking about value, aren't I? Right. I'm not, 
I'm not talking about, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that if we, we can certainly make it more complicated by pulling in things like reference prices and so on. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the, the mental accounting experiments, they tried to hold all that constant. Uh, let me give you another example, and this one I think is a little easier to apply to customer experience settings. So uh, another thought experiment, this one was run by um, Dick Thaler, University of Chicago, so another big name in behavioral economics. Uh, two guys, Mr. A and Mr. B. Um, Mr. A wins two small lotteries in one day, one for $50 and one for $25. Mr. B wins one lottery for $75. Who's happier? And when you ask, most people say Mr. A. Mr. A won twice. Mr. B won once. Even though both of them left, walked away from the day $75 up. Different scenario. Mr. A received a letter from the IRS saying that due to an arithmetic error on his tax return, he still owes $100. On the same day, he received another letter from the state tax authority informing him that he owes $50. Mr. B received a single letter from the IRS telling him that he owes $150. Who feels worse? And in this case, again, most people said Mr. A. Now, from a fungibility standpoint, this shouldn't matter. Sure. In both cases, both Mr. A and Mr. B are either up $75 or down $150. Shouldn't matter, but it does, right? I actually experienced that second scenario myself when I first moved to Chicago to go to graduate school. They have very complicated street signs uh, telling you what, when you can park and where um, because they need certain sides of the street free on certain days for snow plowing. And I didn't understand the signs, and so I parked on the wrong side of the road, got a very expensive parking ticket for a graduate student. The next day, I was parking in front of my apartment, I go, oh, wait, uh, uh, the street sign, so I parked on the other side of the road, and I got another ticket the same day, uh, the next day, for parking on the wrong side. I love it. I I almost put myself out of graduate school for being too stupid to get a PhD (laughs) and not being able to read the damn signs. But... I can tell you that if I'd gotten one ticket for for twice the price, that would have been painful. That would have been terrible. But getting two tickets, making that yeah. mistake twice, feeling that pain twice, that was worse. That was way worse. The Intuitive Customer Podcast is brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Since 2002, Beyond Philosophy has been helping organizations improve their customer experience through their consulting, training, and research services. Find out more at beyondphilosophy.com. That's beyondphilosophy.com. So it's not to do with money. It's the the, the, the lottery one. The reason I, I certainly buy into the lottery one was going, yeah, well, the guy won two things. And this is where it comes to um, implications for customer experience. So in this case, what was mentally accounted for was the experience. So yep. um, there's a, a concept from um, prospect theory, which we'll actually talk about in a, a subsequent podcast uh, yep. in greater detail. But, but really briefly, it's, it's called diminishing sensitivity or diminishing marginal gains. The idea is that the more you have of something, the less sensitive you become to more of it. So if I give you $10, that's great. Um, if I give you $100, that's better. If I give you $110, that's just a little bit better than $100, right? So the closer we are to zero, the more we feel. 
and that's what works. That's what it accounts for the Mr. A, Mr. B findings. So if you win a small lottery, that's great. And then you go back to zero. And now you won again and you add those two up and you're at that steep part of the curve twice. So every time we reset, we go back to the zero point and we experience those steepest gains. If we win $75 all at once, well, that's great, but we're already starting to kind of flatten out. And so the fact that we're winning once or winning twice or losing once or losing twice, that really matters, right? So one of the implications of this is if you've got good news to deliver, you know, as a part of your customer experience, as a part of your sales pitch, as part of anything else, break it up, right? See if you can get people to experience that good news once and then they reset back to zero and then they experience it again with something else, that's going to be more. One plus one is more than two. Uh, if you so give them all the windows at once, they become desensitized. Right. So rather than give them a big wow, a yeah. big, well, you know, that's, I wasn't expecting that. If you gave them lots of little, little, uh, yep. that will, that, that will create a better experience. That's yeah. exactly the implication. Yeah. And then the opposite is, is also true. So if you've got bad news that you have to give, give it all at once. Because right. each new cut is felt on that steep part of the curve. It's, uh, right. it's most painful the first time, right? Those two losses feel worse than one loss of a, of a similar size. Uh, this actually has some um, implications in, in finance. So sometimes when there are negative financial disclosures to a market, there's what's called the big bath where they will um, give the, the negative news to the market and they will clean out the closets. They will throw in everything. Like this is, I cheated on my second grade spelling test. Like they, this is everything bad because they know it's going to be bad and they're going to take the hit. But a thousand cuts where this bad information dribbles yeah. out over time, that's just yeah. way worse. So does that, I mean, uh, the, what comes to my mind when you're saying that is when uh, politicians, um, have you heard of these sort of bad news days where oh, yeah. something has happened that's really bad and th- then they go, right, okay, well, we've got all these things that we know they're not going to like, we'll hide it effectively by releasing all this bad news underneath, underneath all of that. Yep, very good. So politicians are both, Good at this and bad at this. So right. um, some of this is just timing the news cycle. You know, politicians, they know if they release things on Friday, then people don't pay as much attention to the news over the weekend. But it's yeah. also the fact that they will uh, throw in as much bad news as they can if they can plan it that way. There's also, though, this this urge to protect your image. So I, I try not to use specific political examples because it turns people off one way or the other. Um, yeah. But I will in this case. Uh, if if you think, um, regardless of what you think of Hillary Clinton as a, a, a political candidate, as a politician, the way that her camp handled the um, the email scandal was exactly the wrong way to do it. It was a little bit of bad news, and then they said, all right, but that's it. Don't worry about it. That's everything. And then there was a little bit more bad news, and, and okay, that was, you know, but we're done now. And then there was a little bit more bad news. So th- thinking about that, and, and by the way, um, if uh, any of you have got any questions, uh, then please uh, feel free to uh, just um, write them in the question box, uh, and we'll be glad to uh, address uh, any of these as, as we go through this. 
So is any of that done, do you think any of that is done deliberately? I mean, I'm thinking in the sense of, um, I mean, actually, when you think about it, politicians tend to make, mind you, they tend to make big announcements, but they make the same announcements multiple times, don't they? Mm. Which is probably nothing to do with this. Yeah, I don't know. It could be. I mean, if people experience that news as being good each time they hear it, then it it could it could be part of it, right? Uh, The idea is that if you can compartmentalize people's experiences, then um, they'll kind of reset back to the zero point, and that that's the real you get people to to compartmentalize these good uh, these good hits and this good information. Uh, if you can, then that'll be better than giving it to them all at once. So, so let me let me throw some custom experience stuff at you, and, yeah. and this this may sort of sit, sit, sink here or stick here. So, one of the things that uh, organisations are really bad at is responding to customer complaints mm-hmm. and actually dealing with them in a quick manner. So, uh, typically, you, you complain. And then, you know, they go and investigate and then they come back and then you say, we haven't taken into account this. And, you know, there's lots and lots of back and forth, yeah? Whereas all the stats will tell you that if you deal with a customer complaint really quickly uh, and ideally on the spot, so if I'm talking to an agent uh, on a call center or in a store and they just deal with it there and then, uh, then customers will accept far less money than they than they would have. But, and I'm just trying to sort of that feels like this theory in practice with the constant not dealing with it. It's like a death of a thousand cuts, and it just winds you up that you're spending so much bloody time on it. I, I remember um, I remember running a workshop for I was in a mobile um, cell phone company in the states and. Uh, I remember uh, uh, running this workshop and the sales guy, uh, so the customer service VP came in and he came in late and I said, what's the problem? And he said, oh, I've just been in this escalated meeting. Yeah. Um, and he said, There's, uh, we're talking about this customer complaint. And I said, well, how many how many people were at the meeting? And he said, oh, there was 12. Yeah. Uh, and he said, you know, this is like the third meeting they've had. And I said, how much did the meeting cost you? And how much was the customer actually complaining about, you know? And you, you, and you suddenly you could see this light come on in his brain and going, yeah, we probably shouldn't have let it got to this point at the beginning. But but is that that sort of oh, dragging? Yeah. Is that is yeah, that I mean, this? I I think you know there's probably more more theories we could pull into play on that. But I think that that is an example of of this in practice to the extent that from the customer's perspective. You know, they probably see these as discrete encounters. From the company's perspective, from the organization's perspective, this is just all the process of managing this thing. But you as the customer, you called in and complained about this thing, and then they sent you an email back telling you that, you know, there's going to be something else, right? So now you're experiencing that negative again, and then you're going to, you know, forget about it because you've got a life, and then you're going to come back to it a few days later and experience this new negative thing, and so, yeah, it's just these small cuts over and over again, and that's cumulatively very damaging. We're so pleased that you're listening to this episode of The Intuitive Customer. As a listener, we want to offer you a free download of Colin's ebook, Unlocking the Hidden Customer Experience. Take advantage of this free offer being made available only to listeners of this podcast. 
Do it now. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast and follow the link for the free book. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And this must then tie into, because we spoke last time about peak end rule. Um, yeah. And I don't think, I've, I, I think I've spoken to you about this, but um, I, I think, in fact, I think you told me this. Anyway, um, this bit about when you That's remember... Whether I did or not. <laughs> it's quite good, actually. I, well, I thought it was very good. This bit about when you remember something, um, that effectively you're, you re-then, you re-save it. So, so when we talk about peak end raw, for those of you that haven't listened to that, to that conversation, uh, two or three times ago, um, it's on the website. Um, but what you're actually doing is remembering it and then sort of rewriting it. So it's a bit like opening a Word document and then making an alteration and shutting the Word document. So that constant cutting again would yeah. be saving a more of a poor experience. Oh, that, yeah, that's really clever. So that, that's actually combining two disparate um, theoretical insights. So there's this um, kind of, uh, uh, you know, thousand cuts, discrete negative experiences. But to the extent that your current experience state is influencing your memories because you're rewriting them constantly every time you remember them, it seems really likely that whatever negative thing you experienced first, if you're in a super bad mood now, when you remember that, you're going to rewrite it as being even more negative than it was. So there could be multiplicative effects here where it's just, it's going to get really bad because you're forcing all these small negative experiences that cumulatively are going to be way worse than a single negative experience that's just done with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and for me, the, I mean, that goes back to the customer going, this was one instance. Right. And you've moved it into all of these little things. And we were just talking about this one instance, um, which is, which is in, so many of the problems that organizations face, I think, are, are caused by this disconnect between what the customer is experiencing and what the company is experiencing or what they think the customer is. Um, and I think it's just another example. You know, the organization probably sees this as just one problem, one dispute to resolve. Um, but the customer experiences it very differently. And that's the problem. Yes. So I've got a – hi, Michael, by the way. I've got a comment here from Michael, uh, which okay. is – Airlines are notorious for drip, drip, drip reductions in value uh, of uh, of mileage awards. Similarly, yeah. banks will drip out information on new fees. Uh, how could they do a better job? Oh, that's so, a yeah, great question and a great example. Um, so I don't know if you remember several years ago now, uh, Delta restructured their uh, mileage program. Um, yeah. it was, essentially they made it much less generous. Um, the argument was essentially that you know if um, if if everyone's getting the reward, then it's kind of like nobody's getting the reward, and um, and so they they dramatically up the number of miles. Now that is, from a customer experience standpoint, just bad news. That's just terrible, right? Uh, I I was reduced in status. Uh, Colin essentially flies to the moon and back every few days, so his status wasn't affected. But us mere mortals. Uh, we, um, yeah, uh, it was, it was bad. I, I missed my status. That's a negative experience. But the way that they handled it, they just, they sent out a mass email. They said, here it is. You know, we're going to take our hit. You're going to hate us. 
but this is the new reality. I would say that in a negative situation, they probably handled that about as well as they could have. When you look at the approach of a lot of a lot of the things that airlines do, it's very much this thousands cut, cuts thing, as, as Michael pointed out, right? So, oh, we're going to take away this little benefit here that you've enjoyed. Oh, we're going to increase this little fee here. We're going to do this. And I think they're making it easier on people, but that's just that's not the way that people experience it. it it's good to just take your hit and move on. And and people are now used to the Delta policy and um, kind of back things are back to the way they, they used to be. So would it be – so I'm thinking about the fees bit where the, there's a fee for this, there's a fee for that, there's a fee for that, there's a fee for that. And we may be going straight off the subject slightly. But would it therefore be better that there was just an overall fee so in other words, it's yes. 150 a month as opposed to there's five dollars for this and six dollars for that and ten dollars for this. So we we didn't plan this, but this is actually also within the domain of mental accounting, and there have been studies on this. So okay. one area this is that the last kind of topic I wanted to hit on. So this is a nice transition. Um, one area people, of mental accounting. This is planned, mate. If, if, if people listening, and I think this is all planned. <laughs> don't be fooled. Don't, don't be fooled by the uh, the highly aesthetic background that I've got behind me. This is a professional uh, organization. Um, so the, this is work on uh, coupling. So um, when when we pay for and this is so we talk about mental accounting. This work it was by a guy in, um, uh, at MIT and another guy at Carnegie Mellon. They said, well, no, no, no. mental accounting is great, but it's not enough. We actually do double entry mental accounting, um, is the way that they framed it. And they, they built up a surprisingly powerful argument and some really great evidence to back this up. The argument was essentially that when we purchase something, we, there's a kind of a mental accounting of the pleasure of consuming it and also a mental accounting of the pain of paying for it. And the way that we process that experience is a function of how tightly coupled the pain and pleasure is. So if we, um, so to your point about would you rather pay for it up front or would you, would you rather pay for it in dribs and drabs, um, overwhelmingly people would rather pay for it up front. So um, they ran a bunch of experience that, the experiments, they've looked at real-world data, and it turns out that the vast majority of people overspend on their cell phone plans. So um, a lot of plans you can pay some rate and then pay minute by minute. People hate paying minute by minute. They would rather overpay so that they know they're always comfortably under their cap rather than pay something that would save them money overall. Yeah. But it means yeah. having to pay occasionally for overage fees. People hate the, the small cuts of the overage fee. They hate knowing that when I'm on my phone with mom right now, that's costing me minute by minute. That's painful. I'd rather yeah. pay more just make sure that I have unlimited minutes and that's never an issue. The Intuitive Customer is being brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Your frontline teams should be trained on how they can practically influence customer decision using some of the psychological techniques discussed in these podcasts. To understand Beyond Philosophy's unique approach to the training of frontline teams, just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. And I'm thinking now of mobile phone companies, cell companies. They go in, oh yeah, there's a $30 activation fee. And there's a, there's a $15, um, you know, you're looking at the phone fee. And yeah. all, 
all that type of stuff. I guess that's again that sort of cutting process where you think that yes, you've gone in and it's this price, but now you've got to do that these other little bits. And that per- it's interesting because that purchase and all of those things are coming together at, again at that point, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, there's this is complicated a little bit by kind of the way that people evaluate the purchase. So if people are comparing a lot of upfront pricing, then, you know, they may opt for the lower upfront pricing, even if it's going to cost them these thousand cuts later. So they may be opting into an experience, not realizing that that's going to make them hate it later. Uh, So there is an incentive for companies to sometimes hide the total cost, give them a low upfront cost and then, and then a thousand cuts later. Um, but when they do that, they are really going to, you know, sour the experience. A lot of discount airlines do this, where, you know, you get the ticket price and it's just dirt yeah. cheap. But then yeah. if you actually want a cushion on your seat um, or... Uh, or you want to pay electronically with a credit card. And then you have a, in here, over here, and I'm back in England at the moment, a Ryanair. You, you you pay by you know how else are you going to pay by by, by credit yeah. card and then charge you for the credit card yeah I I'm pretty sure I'm getting this right I think there's an airline where the um the little tray in front of your seat is too small to actually work on and you can rent from them a tray extender that's big enough to put your laptop on like it's just it's a thousand little things and even if people choose the airline if they choose to buy the ticket because the ticket's lower. All of these little extras that they have to pay for are souring the experience, right? They're yeah. they're going to end up hating the company by the by the end of the trip. Yeah, good. So from a, I'm, I'm conscious of time. So from a from a um, customer experience perspective, the key is if you're going to produce a, a good experience, yeah. don't go for the big wow, but break it up into l- little bits. The way the behavioral Economists frame it or, or phrase it is segment pleasures combine pains. Okay, interesting. Segment pleasures combine pain, which is okay. just what you were saying, right? Chop up the little. Absolutely, yeah. that's a good way of summarizing it. Actually, segment pleasures, break it up, and bad news all at once. All at once. How much you're hit and lump it all together. Um, yeah. Good. Big bad. Segment pleasures combine pain. I can I can see a, I can see me see me um, going up to somebody now and going, "You didn't segment my pleasure, that's um, right, and you yeah. didn't combine my pain." So <laughs> yeah, don't okay. do that. <laughs> All right, so that's the um, that's the end of uh, today's session. And Ryan and I will be back here in um, two weeks' time. Good. Anything else, Ryan? Always a pleasure, Colin. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad this experience has been segmented, and I'm now just going to go and combine some bad stuff together and, and tell people about it. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. All right. See you. Thanks very much, everyone. Bye. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.